3: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Saturday show. Hope you guys are all doing well on this Saturday morning. Thank you once again for tuning in here on the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Jake Hatch, joined as always by Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, what's up?
4: You know, just kind of we're we're getting into the wrap-up phase yeah. of college sports season, and we're both happy and a little <laughs> sad about that.
3: <laughs> I, that's a good way to describe it. It's like kind of a. a you're glad for a little bit of a break, yeah. but at the same time, you're like, "Man, it's been a long time coming, and it feels weird in a way."
4: So. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're excited for a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Do kind of focusing a little bit more on prep work to to kind of get ready to start doing sure. it all over again. Yep. Uh, but but definitely, we're we're liking the slower pace, and and we're gonna be. Loving the even slower pace in a couple of weeks when everything's wrapped up.
3: Correct, and that, that's the nice part about it. But uh, we got plenty to cover ahead on today's show. Uh, we're going to talk about Big League Utah, the move that the Miller Organization, I guess they're calling the coalition they've created to bring Major League Baseball to this market. We're talk about that. Talk some Utah and BYU spring ball. We got the NBA playoffs, Utah Jazz season officially done and dusted, and also the Utah gymnastics program, the Red Rocks running for another national title tonight. Uh, so we'll talk about all that ahead ahead on today's show. But Michelle, what was the highlight of your week?
4: Oh, highlight of my week. I probably was watching the Red rocks in in their semifinal that sure. that was really exciting. It was a gutsy performance. Mm-hmm. A uh, little drama at the end, uh, that they not only jumped UCLA but they also jumped Oklahoma and, yeah. and earned that top spot. So that that was incredible.
3: Well, and the best part was is like I just saw a bunch of people saying, Hey, UCLA, congratulations. You lose to Utah again.
4: Yeah. Four four times in a season. <laughs> and while gymnastics is a, a nicer sport, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there there's still a little pettiness there for your rival and and you UC, UCLA to Red Rocks gymnastics is what BYU at yeah. least typically has been to Utah Utah sports in general
3: yeah no, um, no
4: but no. <laughs> but yeah so it's it's always a good day when you beat your rival
3: absolutely we'll talk more about that as today show progresses highlight of my week uh, this week would have been uh, my son is officially we're in football season uh, he actually has his first game today so we'll be headed out to that. But uh, it's kind of funny because he's in a four- and five-year-old division, so like pre-K and kindergarten division. And I got to say, we've been to two practices this week, and it's been absolute chaos. Like I don't doubt that. I got mad respect for this coach, uh, Coach Comer that's coaching my son and, and his team up. I just was like, wow, this is this is nuts. But we're going to see how it goes. So
4: You know what? You, you start him young, you see... <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully they like it, mm-hmm. and if they like it and it sticks, then maybe it turns into something. Or if not, then it's just the fun thing that they used to do.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing about it. I was kind of raised that way. My parents would let me try essentially everything I wanted to try mm-hmm. sports-wise. I'm like, okay, what did you like? And I stuck with golf and football and basketball. Those were the kind of the three that stuck with me. But I did baseball. I did soccer. I, we, you probably did similar circumstance, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the way I'm, I'm gearing towards that right yeah. now with my kids.
4: Yeah, so soccer and dance is what stuck with me, mm-hmm. and swimming. Sure. I was actually a pretty good swimmer. Okay. Um, And then, you know, just kind of dabbled in a lot of other stuff, basketball, baseball, tennis. I mean, I volleyball, I never mm-hmm. did that terribly seriously. My friends sure. would just invite me to, like, their award games and stuff. Yeah, just go but, play, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the, I would say... Swimming, soccer, and dance were the ones that kind of stuck for me and that I I really kind of worked at and, and got pretty good at, so...
3: Well, that's the name of the game. you got to find what what works for you. That's yeah. the biggest thing. And it's it's been fun. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the season goes because, like I said, it's been absolute chaos. And I have no idea how today's game is going to go. <laughs> we're all, we'll I'll be sure to report back and let you know how that went. All right. Yes. Uh, so without further ado, we got a lot to cover ahead on today's show. So I'm going to waste no more time and dive right in. Let's get to what's the
5: big deal. Do you know who I am?
0: No. I, I can't say that I do.
5: I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me.
0: I'm very happy for you.
5: I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. (laughs)
3: All right, Michelle, it is obviously playoff season uh, for both the NBA uh, and the NHL upcoming. Also, uh, Utah women in the gymnastics, they're in the final tonight in the NCAA championships. we got a lot of, I guess, championships to be determined over the next little while, but I wanted to start off by talking about something closer to home, and that Mm -hmm. is Major League Baseball. Now, you and I, we have talked about uh, the chances of a pro franchise coming here. We've heard the rumors of NHL, potentially, and Ryan Smith heading up a group. He met with uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman recently. But i got to say, the Miller organization led—they're calling it Big League Utah as a consortium of a bunch of civic business and just sports leaders in this market. They had a big press conference on the Rocky Mountain Powerland. It feels like a, just a stone's throw away from us here. Huh. Uh, it's on a 100-acre site that Rocky Mountain Power wants to redevelop. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I guess the anchor in a way of it is they want to put a Major League Baseball park in there. With the hope that they can get a franchise here uh, to Salt Lake City. Most people, th- most people think it's going to be an expansion franchise, uh, uh-huh. not necessarily a relocation. But I just, I'll i love it to you first. Uh, how excited are you for this? Is this what you kind of thought might happen? Where do you stand on all of it?
4: I I mean, I think it's really exciting. Uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, like my preference would, of course, be an NFL team, but I sure. I don't yeah. believe that that's terribly realistic. The NFL um, doesn't
3: look like they were going to expand anytime soon.
4: Yeah. No, and if, if they did, I just don't know that Salt Lake is where they're going to go to first, Roger un- unfortunately. Not, Roger
3: Goodell's not pounding down the door of Salt Lake City. I, I get what you're well, saying.
4: Well, you know, <laughs> after the Stallions experiment, yeah, mm-hmm. probably not. Um <laughs> Which is unfortunate because yeah. it was actually a good product. Just nobody knew about it.
3: I had a great time covering it for the short period I was covering it media-wise. I'll tell you that much.
4: Exactly. <laughs> uh, so then, honestly, like my next choice, even though I don't watch baseball a whole lot, I don't follow baseball a whole lot, it, it was MLB for me. Uh, and I think it's just because I tend to actually like the outdoor sports better yeah uh if i'm going to hang out for an afternoon i i want to hang out outside at a football game or i want to hang out outside at a baseball game i want to hang outside at a soccer game now some of these i i don't watch religiously i'm not going to tune in on tv or or anything like that but it's just to me i when the weather's great and it, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be cold. It can be cold. I don't mind bundling up, but just like a clear, beautiful blue day and you have your yummy drink and your yummy <laughs> concession stand, whatever. And mm-hmm. you just hang out and talk and enjoy, you know, an afternoon or an evening outside and, and catch a little live action sports, I think is fantastic. So that, that was kind of the pick for me. If NHL came, I mean, yeah, of course I will try it out and we'll see how it goes. But like, I MLB for me was kind of the one that, knowing realistically the NFL is not coming, that was the one that I kind of preferred.
3: Well, and see, I'm with you on that. I if if I can't have NFL, give me Major League Baseball. There is something about being at the ballpark, whether Mm -hmm. it's just the bees right over here on Thirteenth South. They're gonna be moving to Daybreak. Being at the ballpark is a completely different vibe than watching baseball on TV. Oh,
4: 1,000%. Like,
3: anybody who tells you that it's no different, it's I completely disagree with them. <laughs> there is nothing better than being at the ballpark, just taking it in. And the nice part about baseball, even with the sped-up pace with the new pitch clock they've got going in Major League Baseball, it's still just a leisurely enough sport. You can have a conversation with a friend or your spouse or whoever you're there with, yeah. but at the same time, watch high-level sports, and it, it's just— it's a great, great thing. And the other thing about this here locally in the sports market, it fills a massive hole it kind of in our calendar sports-wise. Yeah. We we spend we have the winter in the fall covered <clears throat> with football and basketball. But the summer months, and I know that Major League Baseball overlaps, but still it would fill in the April, May, June, July window mm-hmm. that we kind of, as we already talked about, we kind we of have a little our bit little, a little. Of a break. And it would fill that in. I, for one, I think this is awesome. The fact that the Millers made this announcement, uh, to me, says that it, it's a much more viable opportunity than I think many are, are, are thinking out there. There's a lot of people out there in naysayers. It's never happening. The Millers are movers and shakers. They don't, yeah. they wouldn't, they're not going to get everybody out there. We had one of our shows, Hands and Scotty, here on the KSL Sports ones out there broadcasting live. They've got civic leaders, they've got Governor Spencer Cox out there. They're not having that type of a deal if they don't really believe that they can pull this off. And that, yeah. for, that to me, that's awesome.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's amazing. Uh, my understanding of the situation is, you know, there's still a lot of moving parts and pieces. Correct. and There's absolutely room for it. To not work out and not go anywhere um, because of that. But I think you're right. I think they've done enough homework filling out that to make kind of that grand of a statement announcement, you have to have a pretty good feeling that things will probably fall in your favor.
3: Well, and they've had they've been they've been working on this for over a year. Steve Stark said that at the press conference, who was the president of Larry H. Miller, uh, the group of companies they obviously run, and he he said that they met with MLB over a year ago, and they've had continued meetings. Uh, later on in today's show, at the top of the eleven o'clock hour, we're going to replay an interview that DJ and PK did yesterday with Jeremy Guthrie, the former MLB pitcher. He's also part of this alliance or consortium or. Coalition, whatever you want to call it, for Big League Utah. Uh, he says that meetings will be happening once again with Major League Baseball as soon as next week. You're going to hear that at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. And they're, they're pushing forward on this. Now, you mentioned there's so many moving parts here. Mm-hmm. Portland's been working on, they call it the Portland Diamond Project. They've been working on that for years. Nashville has openly said, we want MLB back. Montreal wants the Expos back or whatever they decide to rename that team. Oakland needs to figure out what they're doing. Yep. They stay in Oakland, they go into Vegas. Tampa has to figure out their stadium situation. There are a ton of moving parts. But, uh, yeah, the the bigger point I think everybody should take away is that the Millers aren't, like I said, going to have that press conference and throw it out there without thinking, you know what, there's a legit chance we can pull this off.
4: Exactly. Yeah. That, with stuff like that, you have to be so careful. And yeah. so unless <laughs> unless you have an inkling that sure. it's it's going to work out— um then you just don't say anything. So yes, there's a lot that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, something could go wrong. Yes, something could not fall in their favor, but the fact that they did feel confident making that announcement gives me an idea. And obviously you don't, you don't lay all your cards out on the table either. Yeah. So who know, I I don't know what they know uh-huh. that kind of made them feel you know, or everything that they they know that made them feel confident and comfortable making that announcement. But you have to figure there's some things that they haven't revealed yet too. Sure. That uh, that is spur spurring on this confidence to make the announcement and to get people excited and thinking about that as part of salt lakes sports scene future
3: well and that's the part about it is i just i'm excited to have more sports here locally to go support like i, I my my wife is a former softball player so baseball and softball is in her blood that's mm-hmm. just what she grew up doing she went to college for that actually right and she she talked about it. she's like i'd be awesome it'd be awesome like she's never and this is nothing as my wife but sports to her are just more of a I don't know. They're, a, they're a, kind of a passing fancy in a way, I guess. Mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of my life because it's what right. I do on a day-to-day basis, literally <laughs> to put food on the table. But for her, it's just it, it's something to do and something she did. But she she admitted this week she's like, I'd actually if they brought a major league baseball team here that I, the, my perception of her comments on it, it was the first time she'd actually be like really like okay let's consider getting season tickets let's get in on this because I think that. And I don't think she's alone with that. Mm-hmm. There are things that people like, and you give them that opportunity, they're going to latch on to it.
4: I mean, you know, talking with a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Utah fans, like, I I know from that perspective, there are, there are a lot of Major League Baseball yeah. fans it, within that fan base. And they like, you know, a whole bunch of other teams across the country because we don't have an MLB team here. I think I think you would get people on board with that. There there are a lot of baseball fans that would get into having Major League Baseball here. Sure,
3: yeah, and that's the thing about it is just just get it here. That's the biggest thing. And if Ryan Smith uh, makes an announcement, I don't know, in the relatively near future, saying hey, we're going to bring the NHL here, the more the merrier to me. I, I would be all for that. I just I think it's awesome for this market and any. I hate that people. Are, Salt Lake can't support it. You, you know what? They can, and they have proven that. RSL came here. I don't know how many people were like, you know what? Major League Soccer is going to do? It's going to start selling out a stadium here in Salt Lake City. They did it.
4: I, I mean, I was at some of those very very early games that were up at Rice Eccles Stadium when barely anyone on the concrete was concrete turf <laughs> when barely anyone was there. Brian Dunston
3: uh, will tell you it, it hampered his career playing on that. But anyway,s yeah. oh,
4: I, I don't doubt it. um. <laughs> You know, I, here's the thing. I don't know that it'll necessarily be a slam dunk. Sure. Or a grand slam or, you know, whatever sports term what, you what want to use. What analogy do you
3: want to use here? Yeah.
4: Um, You know, right off the bat. But I think if y- you market it well, if you, you know, put the, the money and the effort into making it good and making it competitive. Yeah. You'll get people on board. It might take a while, but I I think there would be support for it.
3: Well, there's going to be a honeymoon period, period, like just honeymoon period, period. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's yeah, that works. The best thing about it, there are people who just the, the fact that it was here, mm-hmm. that, and I think that might actually cover up some of the early what you would expect would be struggles. Honestly, for the, for that franchise, if it were to come, but timeline on it, nobody really knows. That's the thing. Like we already mentioned, there are so many, so many things that have to work out for Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred, the MLB Commissioner, has said that the Oakland and Tampa situation absolutely have to be resolved first. But he is on the record also saying that he wants to expand to thirty-two teams. So it's it's out there. Yeah. like It's on the record. How it plays out, it's anybody's guess, but looking forward to it. All right. So, uh, Michelle, I also wanted to take a minute here and talk about something really cool. And we don't typically talk gymnastics at the top of the show, but the Red Rocks, yet again, are making another run in the national title. What's When's the last time they won it? It's been a minute. I know they've... Uh,
4: 1995. Okay. So it's been 28 years since their last title. So they actually won it. Okay. Yeah.
3: But they've been... At this level, so many times since then, and just never haven't broken through it, in the twenty yeah. years. I don't know. This you, you cover this on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. My outside perception: I've watched a fair amount of them this year. I actually watched the the semifinal, whatever you want to call it, the other night, and it was fun to see them come. They they came through right at the tail end, mm-hmm. and as you said, they leapfrogged Oklahoma, which had some people. It felt like like what just happened. To yeah. them? But nonetheless, a great opportunity for Utah. I feel like this may be their best opportunity to break through and end that drought. What do you think?
4: It, it might be. I mean, they came really, really close the first year that I covered the team, which was in 2015. It was Greg Marsden's last year as the head coach Bryce, as well. He went out. Okay. Um, and it came down to Utah and Florida, and it was a single score. I mean, I think they lost by, like, a tenth of a point. Oh, geez. So brutal. it was razor, razor <laughs> thin, and Florida ended up walking away with the title. Utah had to settle for second. Last couple of years, uh, last two or three years, you know, this team's coming third. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it it, it just – it does feel like they're peaking at the right time. Uh. So we'll just kind of see what happens. I I do believe Oklahoma held back a little bit
5: on purpose, uh, on, on their
4: last rotation. Yeah. Um, I I think they kind of knew that they had it in the bag that there weren't going to be two teams that would leapfrog them. Like they they were safe. They were in the top two okay. no matter what they did. Uh, and so vault is a is an apparatus that can be a little bit hard on the body, hard on the knees. So, you know, ease back a little bit uh and and kind of keep rested up for for the for Saturday. I looking back on it, I kind of wonder if Utah didn't do a little bit of the same thing because their vault score was by far and away their lowest. Sure. Um and then on top of that, I didn't necessarily feel like they went for it is hard on floor i think again it was kind of let's do enough
3: do what you need to do get through Uh uh-huh but don't show everything Uh uh-huh got it so
4: so it's going to be really really interesting i think to see how much more oomph is maybe present uh this go around i really think it's going to be between utah and oklahoma i think lsu and florida are pretty beat up at this point uh and to be perfectly honest if there was a just god in this world <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> as painful as it can kind of be to uh-huh. say i i think UCLA should have taken one of their spots i think they're a better team but well uh, they got a better score than either sure, either of them yeah. uh, and are unfortunately sitting at home because only two advance from each from each one of the NCAA each one finals. of them so uh but uh, so that that's kind of where i see it going it's really going to come down i think to utah and oklahoma i just don't think that florida and lsu have enough juice in the tank maybe they'll surprise me but it, it's it feels like they've kind of been limping along a little bit sure. but utah and oklahoma i i think is kind of where this is going to come down to
3: Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, like I said, we don't we don't talk a lot of gymnastics here, but this is a chance at a national title. Mm -hmm. And you're right; it feels like LSU, Florida, they're kind of the they're playing for third place essentially. Mm -hmm. Where it's it's like okay, Sooners, Utes, who's ultimately going to come out on top? It just it feels like it's high time for Utah to finally break back through and get back on top of the sport because forty seven straight years they've been to Mm -hmm. nationals, like and to have 28 of those and not ha- like have a 28 year drought of you've done this for so long nearly 5 decades yeah but to have a 28 year gap of not having one at all it's just it's stunning honestly cuz we all know the reputation of the red rocks
4: yeah yeah no i mean their reputation is nonwithstanding really uh you know you have this team that's never finished a year lower than 10th place out of all the gymnastics mm-hmm. teams there are, I mean that's pretty incredible. Uh, you have a team that's qualified to be at every single national title. Uh, I mean that's unheard of. That's unheard of across any sport. Uh, and Utah is now the lone team that's that's doing that. Yeah. Uh, it used to be Utah and Georgia, uh, <laughs> but Georgia's fallen off a little bit the last the last couple of years, and so they missed missed the cut the last two or three years now. Um, so it really just kind of is Utah alone at the top of, of this kind of hierarchy. But yeah, it has been a while since they've actually won the whole thing, which is very, very interesting. But it also, I think, proves just how tough it can be.
3: It gets underway this afternoon, correct? What time are we looking at? 2 p.m. 2 PM. Mountain okay. Time. Okay, on ABC, correct? On ABC, yeah. Big ABC, all right.
4: Readily accessible, and I think you know it's it, I think it's also worth mentioning right here too. Yeah. There was a big announcement that ESPN Events oh, yes. is point. going yes. to be holding next year uh to kick the 2024 season off, mm-hmm. a big quad meet. Uh, the inaugural site is going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah, partially because of the history that the Red Rocks bring, the dominance in the sport, what Greg Marsden's done for the sport as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like it all runs through Utah gymnastics. And
3: that's gonna be at the Maverick Center, right? It's
4: gonna be at the Maverick Center. It's going to feature Oklahoma, LSU and Florida was Florida the uh, I think it now I'm not I knew, I
3: knew the two you mentioned oh no it's UCLA Excuse U- okay. me. it's UCLA so the Bruins are coming in. yeah okay. the
4: ruins will be coming in so I mean those are some top dogs uh once again that every, every single one of these teams got a shot at nationals this year uh so they're all going to be present to open up the gymnastic season next year and that's going to be broadcast on ABC
3: that's pretty awesome so, be fun to track that obviously and uh, the, here's the thing. You you mentioned it on your Twitter earlier this week, like, women's sports is having its moment. Mm-hmm. And the nice part is is the broadcasters out there are latching on to it. So that's the fun part. All right. So yeah, two o'clock on ABC, and I guess here's here's rooting for Utah. Pull through for us here. Like, yeah. Let's like
4: let's let's bring another ship home. It's kind of
3: stunning to me. That it's been 28 years. <laughs> Jeez. I know
4: it. Well, like I said, that 2015 year was heartbreaking very very, very, close, very yeah. heartbreaking for him i mean to you just needed a tenth of a point more and you would have come home with it and sent greg out
3: yeah send him out a winner yeah. yeah absolutely all right well we'll see how it shakes out uh coming up next uh we're gonna flip over to football here obviously utah a week away from their spring game byu has wrapped up spring ball as of yesterday uh, so there's plenty to cover on that front. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. As mentioned, uh, we're going to replay an interview with Jeremy Guthrie. He was on with DJ and PK talking about the aims, the goals, what um, Big League Utah, the consortium that is trying to bring Major League Baseball to Utah is all about, why he is involved, etc. we we'll got to all that uh, coming up right here.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They
3: pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today
0: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: On the Saturday show. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch, Michelle Bodkin breaking things down. And Michelle, uh, it is always relevant to talk college football in this market with the Utes and the Cougars, the Aggies also to a level. But uh, spring ball... Coming down to the wire for Utah, they've got one week left. They'll have the spring game. It's actually starting, isn't it? It's this time next week. You're... Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Twenty two forever game sure. on April twenty
3: second. Hey, you be awesome? So uh, that'll be really fun to have that. BYU wrapped up spring ball officially yesterday, even though they had taken a week off. Uh, so they did three practices this past week to wrap things up and. Uh, based on the media observations I've had, to go out to BYU this week. It's a lot of letting the younger guys show out, like the the their top guys outside of the quarterbacks. Keaton Slovis has been out there, but outside of the the really high level player, like none of them have really been out there. So it's been letting the young bucks, I guess, get get a run and see what they can do. But I, I want to start off by talking a little bit about what's going on with BYU because they've wrapped up. We'll get, flip, flip over to Utah here just momentarily. BYU now it's all eyes ahead. July one, uh, you enter the Big 12 Conference. They have media days two weeks after that on July 12th and 13th, if I remember the dates correctly, down there in Arlington. And then it's off to the races. They've got a lot of work still to do. Kalani has talked about it. He mentioned on Wednesday. Yes, it was Wednesday when we were out there. He's he's still using the buzzword urgency. He said there's an urgency around this program. Players, coaches, administrators, everybody involved with the football program in particular. They know what's at stake here, and they mm-hmm. want to make a good first impression. So I'm going to lob this question at you. What are the chances they can make that first good impression in your mind?
5: I
4: mean, I don't think anybody gave Utah flying rat's fart in space <laughs> uh, yeah. of making the kind of impact that they did in year one. And granted, it kind of caught up to them in year two and three. Sure. Uh, yeah. But but I, th- I I, think they kind of let them know that they were for serious. Uh I I think the Big 12 is in a little better shape from top to bottom mm-hmm. than the Pac-12 was uh when Utah joined them. So it, it might be a tougher road, but I I wouldn't say nothing's impossible. I I fully expect this BYU I don't know how many games they'll ultimately win, but I I think they'll probably Either win some games that they probably have no business winning, <laughs> or at least play it close sure. to where you know it, it maybe sends a little bit of a message. Um, and then, of course, you're you're going to have those kind of flops, uh, the the want want moments yeah. where it's just like oh, sad.
3: <laughs> well, and that, but that's the thing about it is that you're you're, you're going to have moments where it's going to be like. What just happened? Yeah, like, and they're going to be like, "WTF?" Like,
4: <laughs> BYU is going to be in a very big trial and error mm-hmm. situation over the next three to four years. I would probably venture to guess, um, just because that's kind of what it was for Utah. Um, so, and, and I mean, yes, lucky, lucky for them, they have people that were there for Utah, with Utah, through that process. Uh, But different league, different teams. I mean, the games changed so much in the last decade. You know, some of that information's maybe not going to be relevant anymore. Um, And then, of course, you know, I mean, BYU's their own team too with their own unique challenges and, and things they have to overcome and think about and... So, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it. It's nice that there's at least that base knowledge there to work mm-hmm. from, uh, and it's, it's going to have to be adjusted accordingly, uh, but it, it's going to be a lot of, in my mind, in my estimation, a lot of information gathering the next couple of years, oh, a yeah. lot of, a lot of <laughs> trial and error, kind of throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks, and of course, making a very concerted effort to build the depth.
3: Well, yeah, and they're, they're, Kate, okay, I'm glad you mentioned depth last because I was going to bring this up. The transfer portal window opens today. It's open. Mm-hmm. Like Athletes across the country can enter the transfer portal. It's open for the next two weeks. It's open until August, uh, not August, April 30th. I'm thinking ahead to, to fall mm-hmm. camp. But uh, it is open now, and players can enter their name. And Kyle Whittingham, the very first day of uh, spring ball, you and I were up there, mm-hmm. and he said – the stark reality is I expect four to six guys to leave, and I expect to replace them with four to six guys coming into the program via the transfer portal. Now, those numbers are obviously nebulous, but mm-hmm. Kyle said that literally the first day of spring ball, weeks ago, Kalani Satake has also said that, hey, we're going to look at all things. He said they're having exit interviews, and they said that we're having hard conversations, yeah. telling guys exactly where they stand. This is what you're looking at in relation to a BYU football player. You're third string, you're a special team, You're a, whatever your situation, you're a starter. They're laying it all out there because the depth piece is huge for BYU, and the Cougars actually have the advantage now that Utah did not have when they went into Mm -hmm. the Pac-12 of being able to immediately grab guys from that portal and put them on the field this fall. In theory, they should be able to upgrade the depth quicker than Utah and or TCU ever were able to in their early runs as Power 5 programs. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see if they can do that because you still have to go out there and win those recruiting battles, but uh, I guess on the Utah front, are you you hearing that same thing? Because what I have heard from BYU, my conversations with folks at BYU, is they think they could take between 10 and 15 guys during this spring portal period.
4: That doesn't surprise me with BYU, um, just because I think there's more work to be done to get them where they want to be. I sure. I don't know that I expect quite that much movement with Utah.
3: I wouldn't either. I just I, yeah. I, but, but,
4: but but there would there will be movement. It's just no the, doubt. It's the reality. It's, it's the reality. Yeah. It's the nature of the beast. You have guys on the roster that know that they're not going to, you know, maybe get the playing time that they they feel like they deserve. Sure. Um, and on top of that, you also have to think about and consider filling in weak spots. And and one of them that Whittingham has talked about on the Utah side fairly recently is, you know, getting a couple more pass catchers, some wide receivers, maybe a passing tight end to come in just to shore up that group a little sure. bit and make sure that they have some options to work with. Um, so I fully expect to see movement on that front mm-hmm. for Utah. Um, m- may- maybe if there's an interesting enough quarterback out there, maybe, Maybe they'll bring in, you know, a transfer guy just to shore up that a little bit. Sure. I don't think that's necessary. Uh, But
3: if it's a game changing type player. Yeah.
4: yeah. if, if, If it's a good enough opportunity for both sides, I could see them entertaining that. May Maybe Utah looks at, like, another safety. Well,
3: they had Isabel leave, yeah. obviously. And then there was one other one that left. Was Kane Savage? Is that the other Kane one? Kane
4: Savage left. He was more of a cornerback. Yeah, back, but, he, but, but the
3: secondary's been thinned out a little bit. A
4: yeah. little bit, yeah. Um, which the cornerback room maybe kind of needed to be thinned out a bit. Sure. Um, I, I, I don't think they're in horrible shape at safety, but I think if they, again, you find, you know, another dude, another guy... Um, you bring them in. Well,
3: and say that's the thing. So, my conversations about on the BYU side of that mm-hmm. is I was originally told expect six to eight. And the biggest one, you mentioned that Utah needs wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Same thing with BYU. BYU's got a great top three at wide receiver. Yep. They've got Cody Epps, they got uh, Chase Roberts, and they've got Keanu Hill. That's, that's a nice trio of guys. After that, Michelle.
4: Who oh, dare? Oh boy. Who there?
3: Like it's like uh, we, th- th- their number four option right now, and this is this is no slight of this young uh, this player because he's been fantastic. Dom Henry, who is a walk on, he is their number four wide receiver right now. I, I have no qualm in saying that he's been fantastic all spring long. But he was brought to BYU as a walk on player. They've already said on the record, uh, Fessy Satake, Aaron Roderick, they're going to target at least two, maybe three wide receivers in the portal. My conversations with folks down there is that every, every level of their defense, they're looking for options. Defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker safety, cornerback, similar to Utah, they're actually, it seems like they're okay there. Mm-hmm. But they can find what they consider to be difference makers. Mm-hmm. And that, I would define the difference maker for them as a person for BYU who can be in the two deep. It can be part of either their starting or their backup. Mm-hmm. That's what BYU is targeting in this. And they've already they did a lot of work in the portal mm-hmm. in the winter period, and they brought in obviously Keaton Slovis came in, Aiden Robbins came in, Isaiah Banyan. I can get on the list, but expect more movement here. Mm-hmm. And it's the the goal, and I think Kalani Sitake, who went through this process with Utah, realizes he has an advantage that Utah never had. Oh yeah, he can go out and grab power five level players, get them to BYU, and the best part is they don't have to sit out. Yeah, they're good to go this fall and knowing that Aaron Roderick went through that transition. Jay Hill went through the transition with Utah. Yep, These are all off Kyle Whittingham's tree. They know exactly what it took for Utah to get to the level they're at today. And they're going to try and jumpstart that year
4: one. Absolutely. And that is, I mean, a fantastic point. If Utah had had a transfer portal to work with.
3: Who knows? Would
4: we have seen the five and seven seasons? I I don't know. I, I think they maybe would have at least broke even.
3: Sure. Well, it's it's it's. Revisionist history, but I'm I, I I would say they'd be a bowl team because you could bring in enough like you can sell that you you're playing power five football mm-hmm. to guys that are like, oh that's actually very attractive to me and that would have completely changed I'm sure many opportunities for Utah mm-hmm. so it's, it's
4: the, the key will be getting enough of those guys correct uh, yes and and the, and the the first year might be a little eh. Um, because there's just only so much you can do. Yeah. Uh, but if you put a good face forward, mm-hmm. I th- I think there's an opportunity to really have some of the bricks fall into place a lot quicker than it maybe did for like Utah, or, as you mentioned, TCU as well also went through that process. Well,
3: and it, it's a gamble. We all know this. Like, there are, I've had enough people tell me, Jake, if a player's in the portal, there's a reason they're in there, and I'm. That's the truth. Like
4: to a certain degree, yes.
3: There are times the coaches tell a guy that this isn't your future. Like you need to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. There's other times guys just get fed up and want to leave. There's other times guys have issues off the field that force them to leave. There's so many different things. BYU, Utah, any football program is going to do their due diligence on these young men. They're going to yeah. make sure that hey, they fit what we're looking for here. But I just, I guess, my message. I meant to talk more specifically about the programs. But my message on, I, I would, if you're listening to this and wondering. Is expect change. It's mm-hmm. just, it's part of what fo- college football is today. There's free agency out there. It's, <laughs> you don't have contracts per se, but you just go out and you're, you're selling what you can sell to get these young men to come play for you.
4: Absolutely. And with BYU, I would say expect a lot of movement and a lot of changes constantly um, for the first couple of years. And if you f- find yourself having kind of that breakthrough season, that's when things are going to start slowing down and it's going to be much more strategic. It's going to be a lot more, we can trade this guy out for this guy. Correct. And that that will just kind of bolster things up uh, rather than, well, crap, we had a bunch of guys leave. We need to replace them <laughs> yeah. with a bunch of guys. Hopefully these guys are better than the ones that left. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think there's the first year or two, maybe a little bit more, it's going to be a little more, feel a little more scrambly yeah. perhaps. Um, but like I said, if you get that first taste of success, it's going to slow down mm-hmm. and like, it's going to be much more, you're going to be playing chess way more <laughs> sure. rather than, Oh crap. Whoa. We, we, we gotta, we gotta fix this. <laughs> we gotta find the bet the yeah. absolute best we can. Um, so that that's kind of what I expect to see um, over the next year or two. But like I said, um, I I do think the advantages they kind of know what what they're up against. That sure. that's the one thing that Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, Houston yeah. you know, I mean they they can't say that they they don't have that kind of experience. On their staff,
3: yeah. Like, I, I, I had a conversation with a person who's a Houston, uh, they're a media member, I guess, in a loose term, but they were talking about Dana holgerson has been a power five head coach. Great, he's never made the leap, yeah. Though. He's
4: never had to build a team into a power five team. And
3: that was my point talking with him. Like, okay, he's ha- he has power five experience, there's no doubt about that. He coached at West Virginia. The issue at hand is, yes, BYU's never been a Power 5 program, but their three lead coordinators, like their head coach and their two lead coordinators, as well as their special teams coordinator, they all have Power 5 experience. And the top three went through the Utah building process. Mm-hmm. They saw Kyle Whittingham engineer what he's yeah. done.
4: They, they saw the madness to get they, there. <laughs> they,
3: were, they, were part, they were part of the blueprints. They were part of putting that plan together. And guess what they're trying to do? They're, they're trying to, to, to take that timeline, take that blueprint and speed it up. Mm-hmm. They want to do it this year if at all possible. I'm with you. It's probably going to take them a year. if
4: if <laughs> if they can get it going by year 3, massive success.
3: Sure. Yeah. I I have I've said it once I'll say it again. I, my benchline for success for BYU year 1 in the Big 12, 6 and 6. You get to a bowl game? Props to you guys. Well done.
4: I I think that's yeah. I think that's that's a very fair kind of realistic goal. Um or he, even, like, oh, I'll give them a little more wiggle room because it's just, it's hard. It is, Um, yeah. it, It's a bit of an adventure. If most of the games that they play in are close and they give people a fight for their life, sure. but they come up just short of also a successful season.
3: Well, and that's the thing about it is every game, every season looks different as you, as you look kind of like the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, a 5 and 7 season for BYU where you mentioned that they're fighting to the death in every single game will look completely different than potentially let's say uh I don't know. Uh 7 and 5, I don't know. You you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's just if you're if you're in it, every single game, it's to the Utah Jazz this year. Like they kept trying to pull the plug. Danny Ainge kept trying to pull the plug on the Utah Jazz multiple yeah. times. No, and what you and can't be- and what did Will Hardy do at in his, in his team? Eh, we're just going to go out and win some more. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But uh, we'll talk some more football as today's show progresses. But coming up next, uh, we're going to switch gears. As we typically do, it's time for technical fouls, rewarding people for behaving badly in sports. we got some good ones. Those are all coming up right here on the Saturday Show.
4: If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch
2: the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul.
4: Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul.
3: As you just heard, it is time now for technical fouls. And uh, we we talk about different things, obviously, the kind of the downer side of sports, because not everything's sunshine and roses in the sports world, but there are things that happen. But uh, Michelle, I'm going to start off with one that's a little, I guess, more lighthearted. Lighter. <laughs> uh, but it's here's the thing NFL, NFL Sunday ticket is like a way of life for a number of people. There are millions of NFL fans. They've tuned in for years and had direct TV for that very reason.
4: That was me for a long time. I was that person until... You couldn't get Pac-12 on DirecTV, and then it was like, well, Pac-12 is more important because I need to do a job. So yeah,
3: needed to to switch gears
4: by DirecTV.
3: (sighs) But YouTube TV has stepped in; they got the rights for NFL Sunday Ticket, taking away from DirecTV for the first time like ever. I think DirecTV had it from its inception, honestly. If I'm not mistaken, I
4: think you're right on that. Uh,
3: But we are. I'm a YouTube TV subscriber, so I was waiting to see. Okay, what's NFL Sunday Ticket going to cost? Like, I was intrigued by. Let's see what it looks like. There was some talk that they may ultimately offer like a, a one-team-only package. where If I wanted to watch my Niners play, I could do that. They haven't offered that. The prices came out. Oh, no. Did you see this, by the way? I,
4: I, I did not.
3: Okay, so YouTube TV subscribers. So if you're subscribed like I am to YouTube TV, and there are a number of you out there I think who do it. Uh, if you subscribe, if you uh, purchase by June 6th, it costs you a cool $249 as a subscriber. After June 6th, it's $349. You get a $100 discount if you do it before uh, the start of summer. Now, for those of you who are, uh, I guess, the quote-unquote uninitiated who want to get it as a non-YouTube TV TV subscriber, $289 before June 6th, and then you're beefed up to $389 for the NFL Sunday ticket. That's a pretty hefty penny, all things considered.
4: (sighs) Ugh. I, I think that's worse than what it was like to try and get it with Directv.
3: Yeah, well, let's see here. I'm pulling one. of Oh, excuse me, I screwed up on that. I uh, it gets even better, Michelle. That's I don't know. so that the so the numbers I just mentioned are as a YouTube TV subscriber. The 389 and the 289ers. If you c- bundle the NFL Red Zone with it, which I don't know why you'd want NFL Red Zone with it because you're watching the games. But yeah. Regardless. Okay, now for the actual numbers for the non-subscribers. Three forty nine if you subscribe before June six, just for NFL uh, for the Sunday ticket. Four forty nine after June six if you want NFL Red Zone. As many of you know, it's where they kind of whip around to different games. Three eighty nine before June six, and then four eighty nine. All told, almost five hundred dollars. So,
4: yeah, nope.
3: <laughs> Jeez. It's a crazy, crazy number. We'll see.
4: I, I will just put up with Broncos games.
3: I, well, here's the thing: I am, <laughs> I enjoy Red Zone well enough, and I've had YouTube TV for a while. The Red Zone cost me like ten bucks a month during the season to have that. It's good enough for me. It
4: it's a little trippy at first. I sure you have to
3: get used to it. You the have format. to get used to it. Yeah,
4: and sometimes it makes me a little bit mad because I'm like, no, something was about to happen. Why did you switch it?
3: Yeah, there's the scoring plays is what they're going for,
4: but. I, I, yeah, um, for co- cost, yeah, no.
3: Start saving yeah. your lunch money if you're gonna if you're gonna tune in. All right, all right, Michelle, we got one other one you wanted to bring up, and I think it's one we need to address. Obviously,
4: yeah. So earlier this week, it came out that uh, former Utah running back Tavian Thomas was arrested, uh, on, jailed, <laughs> jailed on uh, domestic violence charges, charges. Yeah. um i mean he's looking at some felonies uh the reading through that report was incredibly sombering reading through the trib the really in-depth trib mm-hmm. article was heartbreaking yeah. um and so you know uh, the tech the technical file is not actually on tavion uh because i have a level of sympathy for tavion uh not excusing at all what he did, uh, and there's consequences sure. to what he did, but there's just some greater problems at the surface of that, but my issue, my technical foul, is the way that people talked about it. Um, okay. The, it's not rivalry fodder no. for starts, um, it, and that goes for either way. Sure. Uh, if it's a BYU player, uh, Utah player, whatever like it, it just don't make it a rivalry thing um it's disrespectful it's stupid uh it's very low line level thinking to be perfectly honest well,
3: it, it's it's a, it's a it's a lowest common denominator type situation like it's easy to dunk on your rival yeah this situation though i'd be, it, i'd be careful wading into it and i'll admit so some people got really mad at my, my tweet. I, I I don't know if you saw this. I used the hashtag go you to you boys on it. Yeah. It was not my intention to throw shade. I used hashtags because they're searchable on Twitter. And do I regret doing that in a, in the aftermath? To a level, yes. But it was not my intention to be like, here, let me pour gasoline on the fire. That yeah. was so anyways, continue.
4: Uh, and to be perfectly honest, as much as I work next to you, I absolutely believe and I honestly didn't even Think twice Trust, about it.
3: My, my mentions lit up. Oh boy. We but we honestly I had BYU fans trying to dunk on Utah based off of my tweet about it. But there were also Utah fans who thought I was trying yeah. to throw some shade that mm-hmm. way. And I was just doing it just to link it to the bigger right. network. Yeah.
4: So <laughs> I think it is important to note Go Ute's is the official,
3: official hashtag
4: hashtag yeah. for Utah. Um, for Utah so, football. So yeah. if you want information regarding good or bad <laughs> Sorry, sorry. It it really truly is go Utes. And it, you search
3: for it, it'll pop up with everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: you know, I, in those instances, do I try to remember to just like do hashtag Utes instead? It's a little less searchable. Yes, but like really truly, the average person, if you go and ask Twitter or ask Google, yeah. what is the University of Utah's official hashtag? It's go Utes. Yeah. So. But but that's kind of that's that's my whole point though is you know, okay, you get into this big old pissing match either either way over it, and all of a sudden you know the the parts of, about this situation that should be talked about and need to be talked about are not being talked about, um, and it's it's a very. It's just, it's a very, very common thing that happens. It can happen to anyone. Correct. If you pull any woman, she can tell you some kind of experience, whether it's personally with her or with, you know, a friend, dealing with a friend situation. And then, you know, the Tavion Thomas side of it, mental health is a bugger. And if you're in a place where it's not good and you don't have people you know, around that can kind of keep you accountable and and learn those habits, you're just in for a world of hurt. And sure. and so you know, I think both of those things really got lost because people were too mad too mad and pointing fingers at the dumb part of it.
3: Well and yes, we we Okay. We need to break here, but I guess I'll add one thing to this is you're right. The, the way that it was being used as rivalry fodder, don't do that. Because it's just, it doesn't do anybody any good to use this to dunk on a program or whatever. Yeah. Because this is a very sad situation. Mm-hmm. I,
4: All the way around. All the way around. And his girlfriend is very smart and insightful. Sure. Um, that he he needs his therapy and his medication and Simply throw, while he shouldn't be allowed to just wander about as he pleases, because I do think he's a danger to her, to someone else, or to himself. uh, You know, locking him up away from the things that he needs to get mm-hmm. better and get back on his feet is also not productive.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I do wonder how much this is going to affect his NFL draft stock. I did see one, uh, they call it the top 300 big board. Still has him on the list this week. There were at least one prominent uh, site scy- I saw.
4: Mm. Fascinating. Because I know before this incident, a lot of people took him off the well, and, board.
3: And that's the thing. I, You and I had heard similar situations. So TBD on how this all plays out. But, yeah, you're right. It's a heartbreaking situation all the way around. But this is this is not the stuff to have rivalry Twitter Mm-mm.
4: going to war over. No,
3: because it's just it. It's a bad situation for Tavion. It's a bad situation for the girlfriend. It's a bad situation for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. So maybe let, next time let's just acknowledge that you know what. Sometimes things just need to be off limits. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll let you hear at least part of uh, Jeremy Guthrie's conversation with DJ and PK. Uh, he had some great thoughts on the future of Major League Baseball here in the state of Utah. He's got an interesting perspective because he lives in Portland. Like he he's from there, so he knows what the Portland project's been trying to do. But he's part of the Big League Utah project. Why is he doing that? You'll hear next right here on ninety-seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Back to the Saturday show We're here on ninety-seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch. Uh, continuing on here, hour two of the program here on this Saturday morning. We talked in the open about. Uh, Big League Utah, the consortium put together by the Larry Miller Group of Companies, led by Gail Miller, obviously, trying to bring Major League Baseball to this market. Now, they obviously have a bunch of business leaders, government leaders. But they also have what they're calling celebrity leaders, and that's sports uh, figures. Ty Burrell of Modern Family Fame is actually on this list as a consortium. Huh. He owns two restaurants. Um, well, one's a pub, it's like a German pub, oh, okay. here in downtown. He's also also business interests in, in Park City, where I think he at least has a home. I don't know if he, he might result, reside there full time, but he's invested in this community. It's, I yeah. know a lot of people know who Tybell is, but he's got, yeah, he's got multiple, I guess, eateries, I guess we could call them, mm-hmm. his interests that way. Uh, but he's involved but also sports figures. They Mm -hmm. had John Buck up there on on the stand, Dale Murphy, who we had on with DJ and PK earlier this week as well, as well as Jeremy Guthrie. And you're probably thinking, well, Jake, why are you not have? why why are you going to play an interview with Jeremy Guthrie when you had Dale Murphy on the show? The reason I'm playing the one from Jeremy Guthrie is because the, it essentially looks like it's going to be Portland and Salt Lake City competing as what Gail Miller said is for a Western expansion franchise. I had never heard this before this. This is news to me is that they believe that there is going to be a Western team and an Eastern team, meaning that Nashville and Charlotte, who are out on the east side of the country, are considered to be the frontrunners for expansion on that side of the country. Because we all thought that it was going to be this group of Montreal, Charlotte, Nashville, Salt Lake City, Portland fighting out for two spots. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's, it's west and east. So that means that Portland and, and Salt Lake City are now squaring off. And obviously they're both going to be posturing. We've seen it on social media. But Jeremy Guthrie is a big league pitcher who spent a decade plus, he won a World Series ring with the Kansas City Royals. He coached, uh, not coached, he played at BYU. Went on an LDS mission, then went to Stanford, then went to the big leagues. Uh, as you'll hear him say, he actually spent uh, at least, uh, I think he's, he'll hear, it, the better part of a decade, his home base in the offseason was in Utah, hmm. but now he lives back up in the Portland area where he is from originally. So he played high school ball and the like. So he knows what Portland's trying to do,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but he's part of big league Utah. Why? Hey, yo. Why? Well, we'll let you hear right now. Here you go. Jeremy Guthrie with DJ and PK.
1: You have an intriguing background. I'm really interested to talk to you. You grew up in Oregon college. You pitched at BYU and Stanford, and then you off, and you were in the major leagues for a long time, pitched into your mid to late 30s there. And now you're retired and you're living in Oregon and Las Vegas and Salt Lake and Portland and Vancouver have all been mentioned as potential homes for future major league teams. But you're not working with Portland. You're working with big league Utah. Why is that? How'd you get involved?
5: Well, I lived in Utah for a number of years, uh, both as a college student and, of course, during my playing career. We called Pleasant Grove home for about seven off seasons, and and have a tremendous network in Salt Lake City and the U- Utah Valley. Uh, a group, the group uh, that is running the coalition, heading up the coalition, includes a number of very close friends, and so it was a really easy partnership for them to reach out to me and invite me to be a part of the coalition. I'm really pleased and and grateful that they would uh, see me as a part of that team. And it's been a lot of fun thus far in just a a short amount of time. But since you're
2: living in Oregon, can you only go out at night?
5: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, You can only go out at night. Beautiful here right now, 65 (laughs) degrees, sunny, the grass is green, the mountains are covered in snow and we're only uh, at 8 a.m. So life is good (laughs) in Oregon.
1: (laughs) From our perspective... Having read this for a long time, and and we PK lived in Arizona, we both lived in Southern California, and having followed Major League Baseball for a long time, watching these these markets grow, there is a pattern to how you get a team, and the press conference signals to all of baseball, governments aligned, business leaders aligned, the real estate we've got it. These are all things that have sidetracked stadium projects in other cities and states how much do you think getting that message out there that all these things are aligned moves utah towards the front of the line if not to the front of the line
5: well you're right there's a big equation for major league baseball and i don't think it's a perfect science as to how they award a team but things are the most important things to them of course is the business side of it can the can the team thrive survive and have the support in the local community. And so the things you mentioned are hugely important uh, to major league baseball. And there are things, frankly, that have been discussed already, which is why the big league Utah coalition is taking this huge step that they've taken this week by announcing that they are, you know, in the mix for this, for a potential major league team, when that comes down the road. But uh, Utah is healthy. It has a tremendous economy. It has a vibrant young um, population base. Clearly it has the land and the beauty uh, to really attract people, not just to have baseball, but to really attract someone to want to come. And so a lot of what Major League Baseball is looking for is right there in Utah. And it's not there not just there, but it's, it's there in um, abundance.
2: From the western portion of the United States perspective, as far as an expansion, is it too simple? to say that it's Portland versus Salt Lake?
5: Yeah, I don't think that's the way Major League Baseball sees it. Um, I think they just they look at travel, they look at um, the financial state of each location, they look at the, probably the social state of each location, and they determine how it goes. So, you know, Portland is a closer venue to Seattle if they were looking for natural, um, what do they call that, Rivalry. natural rivalries uh, vancouver bc potentially could be a city that i've heard I, i i'm speaking totally ignorantly about who's who else we're not totally worried about who else is out there if that makes sense uh the conversation with major league baseball were that if salt lake were a location that wanted us knowing what we know about salt lake in in the greater utah area we are interested that's major league Baseball's stance so i don't think the big league utah coalition is quote-unquote concerned about other cities. They're worried about presenting themselves the best way possible. And, you know, Salt Lake City clearly could be a natural rivalry for a team like Colorado, Uh, even a team like Las Vegas, which I think everyone assumes is going to be uh, the first team potentially to get a major league organization in their location. So uh, national rivalries, they'll happen some way, shape, or form. But it's most important just to be prepared financially Um, to be able to support and sustain a major league franchise.
2: When the coalition announced it and the dirt shoveling and the renderings, we talked about it. It generated buzz uh, as far as that goes. My concern, I'm a big baseball guy, is obviously I want to see this happen. What is next for the coalition to keep the push out there as opposed to, okay, you had your little 15 minutes, so to speak, and then we don't really hear about it more?
5: Well, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think Portland, the PDX Baseball Project, is a perfect example of that. I've lived in Portland. Well, I moved to Portland in 2016, and their, their coalition was already organized and had been for, I believe, a few years prior to my arrival in 2016. And the noise was loud. I saw Russell Wilson um, as a member of the coalition putting his name and likeness out there, and his wife, Sierra, the, the musician and artist, was right along with him. Um, a number of other prominent people in the community. And so their their noise was really loud. It was, it was a project that they felt very confident about in talking with local people here when I moved. And now I haven't heard much about it in the two years since I moved back. So um, is it possible for it to be loud and noisy at the beginning and then they hear nothing, whether it's going well or not? I think the answer is yes, because what can you do? If Major League Baseball knows about your market, they know your financials, they understand the details, and they like you, but they're not expanding, then it doesn't really matter. And so really any, any city, any coalition uh, is at the mercy of Major League Baseball and their expansion. And it's, they've been very clear, I think, with the public that they have two really important decisions they need to make first before anything happens, and that is where do the Oakland Athletics play their baseball games moving forward and where do the Tampa Bay Rays play their baseball games moving forward? <laughs> And until those two uh, issues are resolved and the stadiums are built uh, to the liking of Major League Baseball and the organizations, then there will be no expansion. And I speak that of my own words. Those aren't the words of Rob Manfred that I'm aware of, but that's what I understand. Those two dominoes have to fall. And so Salt Lake City, Charlotte, Nashville, Las Vegas, Portland, and so on and so forth, Montreal, whomever else I've heard, everybody is at the mercy of Major League Baseball making moves themselves. And so once Major League Baseball recognizes Utah for what it is, if nothing happens on their side, it could go quiet for quite a while. And I think that's okay. The Big League Utah Coalition understands that. They just needed to put their foot forward, demonstrate all the things that are out there, and let that be. And there will be meetings um, as soon as next week directly with Major League Baseball and members of the coalition. And so I think maybe that will come into focus a little bit more once those meetings are happening.
1: How does this work on baseball's end? Do they have a committee looking at this? Will they send people out to look at sites? Because it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to drive around or I can't really visualize baseball owners riding light rail, but to ride light rail from the airport and see that's where the stadium would be. This is how long it takes to get to downtown. So you really get a feel for how everything fits together.
5: That's a great question. I don't know uh, how much homework they do in terms of on-site travel and observation, uh, maybe that's a question that can be asked in those meetings with Major League Baseball.
2: How much can it be a benefit for the cause to have somebody like Gail Miller, who has a 30-plus year track record of outstanding ownership of a professional franchise at the highest level, be as far as in your on your side, in your corner, advocating uh, for potential ownership?
5: Well, that's huge. The ownership will make a vote uh, when when this does get to the point of decision time. The owners vote on on these topics and these questions, and certainly having someone like Gail Miller as the potential lead owner or, or majority owner of the organization makes a big difference. Um, I, I've heard of votes that go against potential owners and pot- uh, potential ownership of a club. So having her as a reputable, um, experienced, experienced, owner will go a long way in in making utah an attractive market
1: jeremy guthrie joining us pitched for byu and stanford pitched in the major leagues living in oregon but working with the big league utah coalition so how often does the coalition meet what kind of tasks you have going forward what can you do to move this forward because obviously some of this is on mlb's timeline and that can't be changed so what are you doing individually and as a group going forward here
5: yeah, there are meetings regularly, whether those are virtual or in person. The coalition is spread out um, throughout the United States, as you'll take a look at, at a lot of the names there. Um, so there's a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom calls. And what can be done again? Um, I think the greatest thing that the coalition most likely can do at this point to move things forward is just to continue to maintain an open dialogue with Major League Baseball, um, with whether that's with the commissioner, the deputy commissioner, Um, other business leaders at Major League Baseball. Just keep that conversation always alive. Um, Be aware of what it is they're thinking, if there are things that need to be done, and to obviously respond. And and there will be no problem with the Big League Utah Coalition responding uh, promptly to any of those needs or requests as they come along.
2: Do you have any idea what MLB's timeline is?
5: I don't. I don't. I'm not sure they have any idea what their timeline is. Um, this has been a topic of discussion, that being the Rays and, and the Oakland Athletics for some five or six years, maybe even longer. Maybe I'm shortchanging how long that's been a, a hot topic for them, but I was a player myself when conversations about the need to determine if Oakland would get into a stadium in California or if they would move and to where they would move, I was playing, and that was back in 2015, um, and here we are in 2023. So If I were a if I were a fan of, in any of these markets, um, you know, Las Vegas especially, where the the, the opportunity is much more, uh, I think it's safer to say it's a nearer opportunity for them, I would still have to harbor my emotions and harbor my anticipation because I don't think Major League Baseball can really put a timeline on when they're going to make these decisions, or at least they've chosen not to.
1: Yeah, having uh, having family in Northern California, man, Oakland, complained about a ballpark, was going to build in the parking lot. They were going to build it in San Jose. That's the Giants' territory. The Giants wouldn't play ball with them. Back to the parking lot. Now they're looking at the waterfront site. Uh, I think how long you think it's been going on depends on how seriously you think these other talks and discussions were. I think Oakland ownership has been looking to get out of that building for like 20 years doesn't mean they've had it <laughs> okay, now. Yeah. Now they have it in higher, a higher gear. And I think you're right about that, that that higher gear has been in, in the last six to eight years. But, uh, man, they've they've wanted out of that building for a long time. But it does feel like it's 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 picking up steam and coming to a head here. But like you, I'd hesitate to hesitate to pick a number. Just a couple of baseball questions aside from the business questions. Uh, as a pitcher at altitude and with everybody talking about what's happened in Colorado, how would Utah fit into that discussion? Would pitchers want to pitch in Utah? It's not as much elevation. Is that enough of a difference? Will it be a hitter's, hitter's ballpark because of the altitude? What do you think?
5: Well, I think altitude will play a role in, in the ballpark and the outcomes and uh, the same way it has in Colorado. So will pitchers want to come to Utah? I don't know. I, I think pitchers want to pitch in the major leagues, and pitchers want to earn millions of dollars. And if there's an additional team to offer that, they'll come. Uh, if you pay them, they will come. Just like if you build it, they will come. So, um, you know, Colorado's had great success. They've learned how to how to manage. They've had times of you know, or they've had times of great success. So, the equation to make uh, to build a good team to to play uh, competitive baseball, I don't think the altitude is going to. Uh, it may affect it and make it look a little different, but I don't think it will limit it or, or stop it. So you'll get pictures there that, uh, in fact, I've seen some of the pitchers right now for Colorado. They're very effective. So there are plenty of pitchers that can can pitch effectively there. And the way that science and baseball is right now probably bodes well for high-altitude teams. <laughs> in the old days, it was kind of like figure out how to make it work and in the high altitudes, now they probably have equations and numbers and all kinds of stuff as to what makes an actual successful pitcher at altitude. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know of it, but uh, baseball is just highly, highly advanced where every movement and activity and choice is based off of some kind of number that's been generated by actual data from the way the baseball acts and moves once it's thrown and hit.
2: I want to ask you about college baseball here. It it seems like our teams haven't been able to take off. You have experience. Uh, You played here for a bit before you went on to Stanford, and then you hear, well, it's cold weather. Well, the softball teams at both Utah and BYU, the weather ain't any better for them, and they're good. And then where you live now, Oregon and Oregon State have both had uh, moments, particularly obviously Oregon State has had them at the extremely highest level you can go, and it's not exactly the desert there. Uh, what do you think is the issue? Because Utah is going to get their own park, but BYU has a you know beautiful facility and all that. I would and they're going in the Big Twelve. I would like it to be where college baseball has more of a profile in our community.
5: Yeah, um, that's probably a little tougher to speak to, uh, and that question only gets more and more complicated in terms of successful athletic programs. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where. It seems as though you'll be successful if you are extremely good at recruiting and have a keen eye for determining talent, uh, especially in this day and age of talent that is perhaps not at the top of everyone's pecking list because the people that are at the top are going to be very expensive, and we're learning very quickly that uh, college athletics is driven completely by the dollar um, in many ways, and I'm, I'm kind of generalizing, but it's pretty simple to see that if you're the best player available, and someone wants to pay you more. It's possible and likely that you'll end up somewhere else, and so uh, I think Utah athletics has that battle to face. Number one, but historically, um, they've been competitive, as you have said, but maybe not as consistently as as a fan of uh, Utah or BYU or Utah Valley or other uh, universities would want. And I think, yeah, that's clearly it's driven a lot by a lot by weather some of the better teams are in the southern part of the united states whether that's florida texas um, louisiana california arizona some of the strongest best talent every year seems to come from those parts but what what i do appreciate about utah is there are so many uh, year-round teams now that have popped up whether it's the marshals or or others there's facilities all over the valley there's former major league players living in Utah. And so Utah is now becoming a place where baseball is played more regularly, even throughout the year. And I think that's really important because if you get one of these top prospects homegrown, the chances of them staying in Utah and BYU increases. Um, I don't think there's a direct correlation necessarily, but the more talent there is from the area, the better chance that some of that talent remains in Utah. So I think those are some of the factors to consider um, as to why, college baseball has or has not been um, as successful in utah over the years at the end of the day i don't think it really matters personally if baseball uh, if college programs in utah aren't some of the best in the country i don't think that has any direct correlation with how or, or how successful a professional franchise will be
3: There you go. Jeremy Guthrie, uh, a big league pitcher, obviously, and part of big league Utah. And, Michelle, I think it's critical they have guys like Jeremy Guthrie in on this because he can lend the expertise, similar to John Buck, Dale Murphy. They're former major leaguers. They've played the sport. Mm -hmm. They can lend the insight of, okay, what does Salt Lake need to offer if it comes to it? Like The the Millers and whoever else from this big league Utah group goes to them and says, what do we need to offer big league players? And the thing about Jeremy Guthrie, he's not that far removed from actually pitching in major leagues. He's a... He can tell them, okay, you need X, Y, Z here. You need to, these are amenities you need to offer from the get go, and I, I think that's an advantage that Big League Utah's got here.
4: Oh, one thousand percent! You got to do whatever you can to get a leg up on Correct. the competition, yeah. and it sounds like the Millers have really considered that and have kind of put together, you know, an A team of people that not only know what's up in Utah and Salt Lake, mm-hmm. but they they also know what's up. Elsewhere too Correct.
3: yeah so. well okay here's 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 the big question though Michelle before we move on, are you team smokestacks or are you team no stacks
4: i so the smokestacks kind of reminded me of um back back in Murray City. Yeah. Yeah, that that's immediately what I thought of is the old Murray smokestacks.
3: Well, Lloyd, Lloyd Cole's talked about it. Lloyd grew up in Murray and they used to be called the Smelterites before they changed their Murray High School used to be the Smelterites. Okay. You heard the Beat Diggers of Jordan? Yeah. Well, we had another good one we should have kept. Should be the Smelterites. <laughs> it should still be the Smelterites for Murray High School. He's talked about that thing. Same thing uh Provo actually had uh, they had a power station in Provo that had a very iconic a uh, smokestack. I would. They had. A, they built a second one, but there was an iconic one yeah. there. They're iconic, and and PK mentioned this. We were talking about this. Every ballpark has got some unique feature to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think of the bridge out there uh PNC Park for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You've got uh, Chavez Ravine. They got the really cool video boards down there for for the Dodgers. You got so many different unique looks. Why can, not, why can the smokestacks not be that? And there are people that, well, just use the mountains as the backdrop. The mountains are right there too, but you can have these smokestacks right there as well.
4: I I mean, I kind of get it because, like, it, it's just, it doesn't feel very environmentally friendly. And when we're, you know, talking about our lake drying up and some of that <laughs> kind of stuff, I don't sure. know. It maybe seems our smoggy air. Yeah. <laughs> it I, maybe, maybe, maybe we should. Perhaps think of something else.
3: Turn them into bats, per se. Have people proposed that? Like re- revamp them to look like that. If you're going to have them, the only thing if you're going, I'll, I'll let you answer that in a second. The only thing I require if they're going to keep them is you better be shooting fireworks out of those suckers when you hit a home run. If that if this ultimately comes to fruition,
4: there you go. That's a thought. I found myself wondering, what if you did? like kind of a replica of Delicate Arch to bring the Red Rocks mm. up north and kind of have a full representation of, of, Utah. of Utah.
3: Interesting, Michelle. And it's,
4: it's a little more outdoorsy, yeah. which I think, I think that's more what we should lean into rather than
0: hmm. we
4: love polluting our air and killing our lake.
3: <laughs> Michelle, that's intriguing. I hadn't even thought about that. Well done on your part. Thank you. That's...
4: It just came to me.
3: But it's a good point. It'd be interesting. We'll see. It's still a ways off. Like, if this happens before 2030, I'll be stunned. Right. But, hey, we can dream. That's the thing we're doing. We're, we're dreaming.
4: <laughs> dreaming big.
3: All right. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get to five minutes of, co- cover some of the other topics we have not had a chance to discuss on today's show. Uh, NBA playoffs begin. Uh, we got a lot to cover on that front. Also talk some RSL. We'll get to all of that. That's coming up next right here on the Saturday show. Welcome back to the Saturday show, right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, Michelle, it feels like in some ways it creeped up on us, but the NBA playoffs are underway. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but with the play it's an intriguing thing because you have these teams playing literally for their postseason lives. But it's literally, it goes right from play in game, finishes up, and the next morning you're, we're off and rolling. We've got uh, the Nets and the 76ers underway. Uh, you're also going to have, let's see, we've got Hawks-Celtics today, Knicks-Cavaliers, and then Warriors-Kings. That's the setup for today. There are, the other four series will begin tomorrow. But the bigger thing I wanted to talk with you about here in our five minutes of part of the show is that there are intriguing storylines in these matchups. because, like, For example, the Knicks-Cavaliers, mm-hmm. typically that does not register in Salt Lake City at all. But it registers this year yeah. Donovan Mitchell now with Cleveland Cavaliers playing against the team everybody, I mean everybody thought he was going to the Knicks.
4: That is true. <laughs> that is true. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Uh that could be a fun one. I I personally still quite like Donovan Mitchell.
3: Oh, I, I think most people have like they they respect him as a player. If they, if if you don't, I've got I'd be like what are you what are you yeah. what are you doing? But it's just that one typically New York and Cleveland are never going to be something. That the only the most diehard of NBA fans here locally would be like in on that. But the right. Donovan Mitchell angle to it all—that honestly, I would like to see the ratings for that series in Salt Lake City as compared to their home markets because it's probably going to have it like they're going to be like, "Why is Salt Lake City tuning into this game?" Oh wait,
2: <sighs> Don- Spider. Donovan Spida Mitchell. Spida Mitchell.
3: All right. Anyway, so uh, the other one I'm intrigued by tonight: Warriors Kings because the Warriors defending champs. And the Kings snapped a 16-year, the longest streak in, in pro sports of not going to the playoffs. They host their I-80 rivals. Is there, I think they call it the I-80 rivalry because between yeah. Bay Area and Sacramento. be interesting to see because, as I mentioned, the Warriors, defending champs, they have been really bad on the road this year, really good at home. And then the Kings, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention, have, by the numbers, the best offense in the NBA.
4: Well, I mean— <laughs> We had this conversation earlier in the year where I actually had to ask you if the Sacramento Kings still existed oh, because yeah. well, they, I just had not heard anything about them like in forever. No, they fell off the radar. They yeah. absolutely great. So that that makes it really hilarious the year that I have to even ask if they still exist. They're, they're in the playoffs. They make it. Yeah. Yeah, but
3: yeah, and they're they're the 3 seed if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's a 3 seed versus 6 seed, but it, it's just so funny to me that like some of these storylines going into this uh, tomorrow, the matchups are the Lakers-Grizzlies. The uh, Lakers obviously squeezed in there as the 7th seed, and John Morant and the Grizzlies have had all kinds of distractions this year. LeBron, what do I'm say? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Did you see that he, uh, John Morant countersued that, that team that he punched in the face? And like, no. Yeah, he countersued, by the way. Like, there you
4: have it, ladies and gentlemen, our <laughs> third technical foul for, for the
3: day. I, 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 if I recall reading the story— he doesn't necessarily deny that he punched the kid either, like in the in the countersuit.
4: <laughs> it's just like what is going on. Wild.
3: Um, and then also uh, Clippers Suns. Uh, it's Kevin Durant versus Russell Westbrook, former Oklahoma City teammates, for the first time ever playing in the playoffs against one another. Jeez, should be interesting to see how that one shakes out. But uh, anything NBA playoffs wise, you're looking at?
4: To be honest, no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I- <laughs> I get it, like to be honest no I probably I really probably won't start watching until they get to the the actual finals, and then I'll probably catch a game or two, sure, just to see how it all wraps up well, but, so the funny
3: thing about the playoffs in the n b a is they're so long it's I, it is April fifteenth today. Do you know when the nBA finals actually start, Michelle, when they're scheduled to start like June June one, yeah. We got a month and a half before that actually gets going.
4: That and that's a big part part of it. For me. I hate that you get seven games. Like, <laughs> let's speed this up. You have one shot, mm-hmm. and if you don't get it, then move along. Um, I just i I don't have patience for it, and I know that it's the NBA milking every dollar. Mm-hmm. I really, for the most part, don't believe that a lot of these games really play out the way that they play out. I I think it's staged to sucker people in, get dollars, um stretch it out. I I just I it, it to me it feels a little phony. Right. But I, I it, it's very WWE-ish for hmm. me, but
3: Michelle I'm in on the conspiracy I theories know. here. I
4: know. Conspiracy theories, but but you know, I'll sit and watch. I'll sit and watch some of the last. Usually, um, sure. the the two teams that make it through. But I just, I really don't have patience for the the alleged nail biter. Oh, oh, it's going to game. Miraculous! It's going to game seven. It was always going to game seven.
3: Like, uh, you want my conspiracy theory? Basketball is the most easily manipulated sport in my mind of all of them officiating wise that's just my- well have
4: you seen the documentary about that yeah. Sure. yeah yeah
3: i just i it's just it's the way i've always felt about it i i don't necessarily think that it's always the fix is always in but yeah there are times i'm like
4: huh hmm. that that went an interesting direction yeah.
3: Um. Real quick, also on the Utah Jazz front, real quick, right? we haven't spent a lot of time on the Jazz today, but they had their exit interviews. Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Will Hardy, the brain trust got up there in front of the media on Wednesday, if I recall correctly, and they're saying they're looking forward to a, to a fun off season. There, are, there's a bevy of possibilities out here for the Jazz. They have a they have their own lottery pick, obviously. They're, they're going to be tracking that. Uh, they obviously have a ton of money to spend. It th- this off season for the Jazz is going to be really really intriguing to track from so many different angles cuz could they push all in on a rebuild right away and go and h- sign some big name free agent or trade for somebody <clears throat> Damian Lillard I, I didn't say that no I
4: I would love that Well I, I think most of Utah would oh, love yeah, that
3: Absolutely and he he's essentially put Portland on notice like he's like hey y'all I'm getting up there I'm, I think he's 33 now which is crazy to think about
4: That's upsetting I'm 33 too I know but 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 <laughs>
3: But Dane feels like just yesterday he was the 21-year-old star at Weber State coming out. It's
4: I I mean it does shock me that he's been in the league that long. And actually I really did not realize that we are like the same age. I think he's
3: 33. So it's right in that range, but he his career has been like so many instances of Portland like we're going in on this and it falls apart. Yeah. The Jazz, they could they could jumpstart if they could get him. If they could pry him out of Portland, it doesn't seem like Portland's in, intent on doing that at all. Right. I'm just saying that with the Jazz overall is they've got they've got draft picks, they got cap room, they have got opportunity for guys to come in and star right alongside Lowry, Markin, and Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji. There's a whole lot of intrigue with this Jazz squad for a team that's in the lottery.
4: I will tell you what, because last week we were talking about. The Jazz needing to find that like spark of Mm -hmm. excitement the way that like Malone, Stockton, Ostertag, Hornacek, like that group had. Bring in Damian Lillard and you might be on to something because he's already so wildly popular Mm -hmm. from his time here at Weber State. People would be so into that. And on top of that, he's a great player.
3: Well, we've talked also about Lowry Markin needing maybe potentially to be the Robin to somebody's Batman. You want to know who Batman is? Oh. Dame. Dollar Dame. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Like, that (laughs) dude is take no prisoners at all times, and I love him for it. It, It's just, it's fun to watch him do his thing because he he scored 71 points in a game this year. He's still, he is still an absolutely elite player. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, wildly popular here. You you want a guy that can unify the community jazz-wise? Get freaking Damien Lillard back here. Like, Jimmer divides people here in this community. Yeah. Damien unifies them. Utes, Cougars, Aggies, Thunderbirds, Trailblazers, Insert, whatever we got. Solid community, with the Bruins over there at Slick. Yeah, Slick. The Badgers at Snow College, the USU Eastern, are they the Eagles now? I don't know. But, they, he, he every one of them is like, yeah, I'm in on Damien. Let's go.
4: Well, red and blue makes purple, so. Michelle's smart. Listen to Michelle. Let's go. Let's go. All
3: right. We'll come back. Uh, We'll wrap up today's show with some final thoughts. Uh, This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Wrapping things up here on a Saturday. And, Michelle, it's been a fun show. Yeah. We've covered a lot of stuff
4: there I, I there's been a nice smorgasbord of stuff it's going been a,
3: on. It's been a very newsy week. It, 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 I, that term, I don't think it's used enough, but it, there's been a ton of things we could hit on. A, a I think
4: cornucopia. On. Oh yeah, cornucopia.
3: Nice, <laughs> nice. And Wordsmith over here. I like this. This is why she writes for KSLSports.com and I just happen to, you know, produce radio shows and talk about it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, real quick before we go here on the show, uh, Real Salt Lake is in action tonight. Uh, I will not be on the pre-half and post-game show tonight. I have got Got some call them parental responsibilities. I've got a daughter who is going to be in a dance recital. Aww. So going to oh not dance recital, no a cheer competition. So I will be listening to lots of very loud music and lots of cheer routines going on, but it's fun all the same. She loves it, by the way.
4: That's awesome. Like
3: I I Michelle, you could have asked me when my daughter was born, she's now six, six years ago, and said, Jake, what do you think your daughter's ultimately gonna want to do? I'm like know soccer or something like that she is taken to cheer like a duck to a water she
4: D- she kind of likes the the girly girl
3: she well she's always been a, a girly girl is a good way to describe it it's yeah. always been the way she's operated but she's just she's got enough energy to kill another human being it feels like I know it sounds bad I don't I don't mean it in a bad way she's, right she's just full of energy
4: you know what talk to any gymnast and it's the same like every single one of them well, I just had so much energy. My parents didn't know what to do with me, so they're like, "Well, how about something where it's okay to just bounce yeah. around, nonstop, full and, full bore energy? You're not going to hurt anything, <laughs> and actually, you kind of learn how to not hurt yourself." <laughs>
3: yeah, you, you channel that energy, and luckily, it's kind of what my daughter's done with the cheer thing. We thought about putting her in gymnastics, but we did the cheer route, and she loves it so far. I'm like we talked at to the top, top of the show, my brother, my son is playing football kind of seen what he ultimately likes to do. Yeah. It's just insane. I never expected this early on in her life to her be like, this is my passion. This but is
4: my thing. This is my jam. I like this.
3: We'll we'll see where it goes. But it, my, my only issue, and this is my only issue with it, I love supporting my daughter, and I will forever do that. I am a girl dad to the max. I am a softie around here. You can ask my wife. I don't get pushed over by a lot of people and a lot of things. She pushes every <laughs> button and gets away with it. But regardless- my only issue is, it is so loud with the music, so
4: loud. Yeah, cheer music. <laughs> just, just because of the way that tr- cheer transitions yeah. to different places, yep. in order to make it entertaining, you have to make the music loud. <laughs>
3: <So>. <laughs> okay, I wear headphones on a daily basis. Like, I'm pretty sure I have permanent hearing loss to a level in my ears. I don't leave the radio station like we're here at KSL Broadcast House and our yeah. studios. I don't leave the radio station with tinnitus, as they call it, in my uh-huh. ears. I leave cheer competitions. My ears are ringing for days afterwards. Oh, it's, boy. It's, I don't know. It's just that's my only qualm with it all. But well, So uh, getting back to the original point, RSL on the road tonight at FC Dallas. Uh, nice win last week. They needed to find some offense, and they found it in the second half. They scored three times in seven minutes. Uh, get a 3-1 win and feel like, okay, maybe there's some more hope. Because trust me, I was like, wow, this could be a really, really long year uh, looking at it. But they're headed to FC Dallas. Uh, this is, used to be a place that RSL literally had never won. They've mm-hmm. since turned that around in the last few years. Road's going to be interesting to see how they respond uh, in tonight's match. It'll be a 5-30 uh, pregame show uh funny enough i got a little birdie who told me let me double check this real quick i'm gonna pull up my phone as i as i talk about this uh but i would expect yeah um do you know who the wall of the wasatch is by chance
4: yeah it's uh oh gosh i just lost his name but i see i can see his face nick romano yes thank you he is
3: scheduled to be the color commentator on tonight's match right here on the ksl sports on alongside david james
4: Fascinating. You
3: can get one of the top goalkeeper. Maybe I'm not the no, not maybe. In my opinion, he is the best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer history. Nick was awesome. He is a pillar of this community. Still lives here. He was actually out uh, filling up sandbags the other night. Oh, really? Yeah. He. Oh, that's awesome. Nick is he, he he is an elite athlete, but he's also just he's one of the great dudes out there.
4: You'll love to hear it.
3: Yeah, so he'll be on the call tonight. Uh, I believe it will be Spenno and Lauren, Spencer Warren and Lauren Beck, uh, who I usually do pre-hub and post-game with. They'll do that as well. 5.30 pre-game, 6.30 first kick down there in Dallas. Tune in. All
4: right. Let's let's go RSL. All
3: right. Any final thoughts from you?
4: Uh, Tune in to gymnastics. Oh, yes, 2 o'clock. We we may have a national championship coming home. I sure
3: hope so. I sure hope so. (laughs) They deserve it. It's been a long time coming. Go out and get it. A carpe diem, right? Seize the day, right? Yes. Go do it. I, it, it. It doesn't feel like that long ago that they won it, but it's been 28 years. I know. Crazy. All it's right.
4: 30 years.
3: That'll do it. For Michelle, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Tune back in uh, next week. Obviously, we'll have you covered everything going on on the Saturday show and throughout the week. Obviously, keep it locked right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone.
0: See you. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com